0: All right, tonight we will be in Numbers chapters 25 and 26. uh, And then we'll do some commentary um, at the end and revisit a couple of places that we have already been in our studies uh, through the Pentateuch. So uh, I hope that this will be edifying for all of you. So remember where we are. We are on the east side of the Jordan River. We are with this new generation of Israelites after the generation of Israelites that has, uh, that was redeemed out of Egyptian slavery has now fallen in the wilderness because of their grumbling and complaining against Yahweh. So here we are uh, near the end of the wilderness wanderings, near the end of Moses' life as the Israelites are ready to uh, go under the uh, leadership of Joshua here very soon, and then west into Canaan for the conquest of the land that God had promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 15. So that is where we are, the east side of the Jordan River, in or near the land of Moab. And what we saw in our last two times together was the narrative about this pagan prophet Balaam, who in Numbers chapter 22 was summoned by the Moabite king Balak to come and to curse Israel. And uh, then the last time we were together, we took an in-depth look at the three blessings and the additional prophetic word that Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, gave to Balaam. And so instead of cursing the Israelites, Balaam blessed the Israelites, because that's what Yahweh told him to do. And then we saw some uh, prophecies uh, that were played out in history in that fourth word that uh, the Lord gave to Balaam in Numbers chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. So uh, the episode with Balaam is over now. And so the Israelites here are in Moab, at a place called Peor, P-E-O-R. And that is where we pick up in Numbers, chapter 25. So I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we will go back through it. Numbers, chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. And Yahweh said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then, behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent, and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the body." So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked, and those who died by the plague were 24,000. Verse 10, Then the Lord Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace. And it shall be for him and his descendants after him, a covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. Verse 14. Now the name of the slain man of Israel who was slain with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's household among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was slain was Cosbi, the daughter of Zer, who was the head of the people of a father's household in Midian. Then the Lord Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Be hostile to the Midianites and strike them, for they have been hostile to you with their tricks, with which they have deceived you in the affair of Peor, and in the affair of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister who was slain on the day of the plague, because of Peor. All right, so here we have... Um This new generation of Israelites now who are um, engaged in um, idolatry, rank, idolatry, as well as fornication with the peoples uh, whom God has told them they ought not um, intermingle with, so let's begin. I want you to turn with me, if you would, just a couple of pages over to Numbers chapter 31, Numbers 31. I want you to see that, and and I mentioned this a couple of sessions ago, but I just want to remind you that in Numbers chapter 31, verse 16, the impetus for this idolatry and fornication is, in fact the pagan prophet Balaam. Verse 16 of Numbers 31, speaking about the uh, the Midianites. Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. And so we see that the person who was behind This idolatry and fornication is, in fact, Balaam, the one who was tasked by Balak to curse the Israelites. And if you, you don't have to go there, but in Revelation chapter 2, which I also mentioned a couple of sessions ago, Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, in his letter to the church at Pergamum, Jesus says this, But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. So Balaam is known forever in the Bible as the pagan prophet who taught the Israelites to be idolaters and fornicators with Midianite women. And so clearly here, uh, the Lord very angry in Numbers chapter 25, verse 3. In the introduction to Numbers, uh, I made a point at that time that the books of Exodus and Numbers um, are similar in many ways. They have narrative portions that um, are, are very similar And so we can go back, if you would also like to do so, back to Exodus chapter 32. You, of course, know uh, about Exodus chapter 32. This is after Moses has been at the top of Mount Sinai and he has received the vision of the tabernacle and then he's on his way back down mount Sinai and of course what's going on in Exodus chapter 32 is that Aaron has created the golden calf and so they this first generation of Israelites who is redeemed out of Egyptian slavery is also involved in rank Idolatry, and although it's not as clear uh, as it is in Numbers 25, it is most likely they are also engaged in uh, fornication. We will talk about that again in a little bit. But in Exodus chapter 32, verse 10, the Lord Yahweh speaking to Moses, verse 9, he says, I have seen this people and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. And so we have this anger of the Lord against this new generation of Israelites here in Numbers chapter 25 Verse three, for this very same sins—that is, rank idolatry and fornication. Verse four, the Lord says to Moses, "Take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord." And so here we see that Moses is commanded to um, to execute capital punishment. Uh, For this generation, that is the leaders of the people. And so what we're going to see here is that there's not only execution, but there's a plague as well. I want you to see that. Not only a command to execute the leaders of the people who are engaged in the idolatry, but also a plague directly from the Lord. Okay? And so... Verse 5, Moses said to the judges, the leaders, we assume that these would be leaders in the tribes, the judges, okay, who are commanded to carry out the capital punishment, to carry out the executions of those in their tribes for their idolatry and fornication. Verse 6, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman, in the sight of Moses, listen, in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel, while they were weeping. Now, why is Moses weeping? He's, Moses, he's weeping because he is saddened and even possibly angered, if we know Moses well enough by now, as a result of the idolatry and fornication of the Israelites, Moses has been dealing with this for the past 38 or 39 years of his life. He's at the tent of meeting. He is weeping. And here comes this son of Israel who's bringing a Midianite woman. And and quite frankly, I think the text is clear that this son of Israel is flaunting his sin in front of Moses and the congregation of the sons of Israel. There's no shame. It's only arrogance here. And so Phineas, who is the son of Aaron, sorry, son of Eleazar, who's the son of Aaron the priest, he takes it upon himself, verse 7. He arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, Through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked, and those who died by the plague were twenty-four thousand. And so I will come back to this in a moment or so, but I just want to point out here that Phineas was possibly among the judges, among the leaders of Israel, we don't know, but perhaps he was, since he was so closely tied to the high priesthood of Aaron and Eleazar and he is clearly the heir apparent to the to the position of high priest in Israel and so this zeal of phinehas for god's glory and god's righteousness overcomes him and he goes in and he carries out the execution that was commanded by god in verse 4 of this arrogant man Israelite who's coming through the camp and flaunting this Midianite woman in front of Moses and the rest who are weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So uh, Phineas's zeal and his execution of this Israelite and this Midianite woman stays the plague. So Phineas stops the plague with an execution. I want you to briefly, if you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10. This is a text that we have uh, been to relatively often as we have been moving through the Pentateuch. 1 Corinthians 10, this is warnings from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth that they not be in unbelief. And he's using, as an example... These Israelites, and I just want to point out to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8 that uh, Paul is referring back to Numbers chapter 25 explicitly with the plague and that Paul writes that 23,000 fell in one day because of the idolatry and fornication of the Israelites this generation. Because of the zeal of Phinehas, verse 10, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, Behold, I give him my covenant of peace, and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. And so we see here that God is renewing his covenant with Aaron and uh, the rest of the lineage of the high priest, which will now pass to Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, because of his zeal for the Lord. We will see Phinehas again in Numbers chapter 31, which is where we were, we will also see Phineas again in Joshua chapter 22. right? And so we first saw Phineas all the way back in Exodus chapter 6, verse 25, and we will see him several times again as we continue on through the Old Testament. He's a very important uh, person in this especially new generation of Israelites. If you would turn with me to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. So Phineas is remembered by the psalmist in Psalm chapter 106. Psalm 106 is a relatively long psalm that um, recounts some of the major events in the history of Israel. So, for example, in verse 7, talking about the fathers in Egypt and also the rebellion at the Red Sea. God rebuking the Red Sea in verse 9 and so on and so forth. Verse 16, they became envious of Moses in the camp and of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord. And then if you go all the way over to verse 28, this... um, event in Numbers chapter 25 is recounted in four verses. They, speaking of Israel, the psalmist writes this, they joined themselves also to Baal Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them. Verse 30, then Phinehas stood up and interposed and so the plague was stayed. And it was reckoned to him for righteousness to all generations forever. And so, this is a very strong statement of um, justification and imputation here in Psalm chapter 106, as uh, focused on Phineas. So, Phineas is uh, becomes now legendary in in Israelite history, and again, all of that. For his zeal and jealousy on behalf of Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. Verse 14 of Numbers chapter 25. Now the man, the name of the slain man of Israel who was slain with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's household among the Simeonites. Now, this, I'm going to come back to this a couple of more times before we're through tonight, but I just want you to note that this man was a Simeonite. He was from the tribe of Simeon. And of course, the name of the Midianite woman, verse 15, was Cosby, the daughter of Zer, who was the head of the people of a father's household in Midian, and so this uh, interaction, if you will, between Zimri the Simeonite and Cosby the Midianite, was kind of a, uh, a marriage or an, a, an intermingling, if you will, of a couple of very prominent households in Israel and in Midian. Verse 16, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Be hostile." ...to the Midianites and strike them. For they have been hostile to you with their tricks, with which they have deceived you in the affair of Peor, and in the affair of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister who was slain on the day of the plague, because of Peor. So, I want to contrast... ...the uh, chapters 23 and 24... With 25 for just a moment. So if you remember, back in Numbers chapter 22, Balak, king of Moab, had hired Balaam to come and curse Israel. Balaam was not allowed to curse Israel because the words that were put in his mouth by Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, were in fact blessings, right? So what did Balak really want? What he wanted was Balaam to curse Israel so that when Moab attacked Israel, Israel would lose in the war. And the reason Balak was doing that because all the way back in Numbers 21 several sessions ago, Israel defeated Sihon and Og, right? So remember, this is a narrative. Sihon and Og Two kings are defeated in Numbers chapter 21. Balak, who's also near those Amorite kings, they know that Israel is strong. They have this um, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of men who are ready for war. Balak doesn't want to go to war with Israel unless they are cursed. He hires Balaam to curse them. Balaam doesn't curse them. He blesses them. The Israelites are spared from a war with Balak and his Moabite forces. What happens in Numbers 25? They curse themselves with women. They're blessed In war, they have cursed themselves with women, with idolatry, and with fornication. And so, We know that the Bible comes to us many times, especially in the early portions of Proverbs, with warnings of those women who would entice men into fornication and idolatry, the ones who wink and they spread rose petals and incense over their bed, and those types of things. And so we see that God blesses Israel in war, and they curse themselves with women. And that is the travesty that we see here in Numbers chapter 25. Numbers 26. I'm not going to read the entirety of Numbers chapter 26. Because this is uh, the details of the census, that the reading of Numbers 26 reads very similar to Numbers chapter 1, which was the original census of the generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt. They were redeemed by the strong arm of Yahweh out of Egypt. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I only want to point out a few things to you in Numbers 26 before we get to some of the closing Discussion. So, if we work our way through Numbers 26, we can see uh, the new numbers on a tribe by tribe basis. So, for example, verse 7, um, we see that the Reubenites uh, they were down about 2,700 people. And then in verse 9, under the Reubenites, you can see that there are Dathan and Abiram who are called by the congregation who contended against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah when they contended against the Lord. And so their names are again mentioned here because of their rebellion. Verse 11, the sons of Korah, however, did not die. In verse 14, we see the Simeonites... Jacob's second born, they are down more than 37,000 people compared to the number from Numbers chapter 1. And I will come back to that in a second. Uh, Verse 20, I'm sorry, verse 18, uh, those uh, Gad are down about 5,100. In Numbers uh, 26, verse 22, Um, The uh, tribe of Judah is up about 1900, verse 25. The tribe of Issachar is up just shy of 10,000, verse 27. The Zebulonites are up by about 3,100, verse 34. Manasseh is up around 20,000. Significant growth in the tribe of Manasseh, and you can contrast that with um, Ephraim in verse 37, who's actually down about eight thousand. So, of the two tribes of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, we see very different things. Verse 41, Benjamin is up just uh, a little bit more than ten thousand persons. In verse 43, um, the yeah tribe of Dan. Uh, Up about 1,700 in verse 47. The tribe of Asher up almost 12,000. The tribe of Naphtali in verse 50 down about 8,000. And overall, when you compare the two numbers from Numbers chapter 1 and Numbers chapter 26 in verse 51 you can see that overall the number of Israelites here is almost the same. Uh, It's off by about 1,800 people. So there were seven tribes uh, that I believe got pluses, and there were five tribes that got minuses. Numbers 26 ends up with... um, the uh in verse 57 and following a similar census as was taken in numbers chapter 3 of the levites and overall uh in verse 62 of numbers 26 you can see that the number of levites are uh is up around 1000 or so and then in verse 61 just prior to the number uh, Nadab and Abihu Uh, are also mentioned because they died when they offered strange fire before the Lord, all the way back in Leviticus chapter 10, if you remember that. In verse 65... Um, let me just say, let me read verses 63 through 65. These are those who were numbered by Moses and Eleazar the priest. So uh, in the first census, if you remember, it was Moses and Aaron, but Aaron is now dead. And so it's Moses and Eleazar the priest who numbered the sons of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. But among these was not numbered... Um, uh, there. But among these there was not a man of those who were numbered by Moses and Aaron the priest, who numbered the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. That would be back in Numbers chapter 1. For the Lord had said of them, They shall surely die in the wilderness. And not a man was left of them except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of of none, So God, of course, makes good on his promises here, that promise which he made back in Numbers chapter 14, verse 32, that none of that first generation of Israelites would survive to see the promise except for Caleb and Joshua. And that was because they were faithful in their report uh, when they went into the promised land in Numbers chapter 13. All right, a few closing remarks. I'm going to work my way backwards back into Numbers uh, chapter 25. Let me start with Numbers chapter 26. Um, Why in verse 14 of Numbers 26 is the number of Simeonites down by so many? Well, it is most likely because it was the Simeonites who were the primary recipients of death by plague, back in Numbers chapter 25, verse 9. And why would that be? Well, we see later in Numbers chapter 25, the rank idolatry and the flaunting of sin by this leader of the Simeonites, whose name is Zimri, verse 14 of Numbers 25. And so it is speculated by uh, commentators, and I I tend to agree with this view, that perhaps there was this streak of sin in the tribe of Simeon. And so it may be that the bulk of the 24,000 of Numbers chapter uh, 25 verse 9 were in fact those who were of the tribe of Simeon. And so that is at least part of the reason why the numbers for Simeon in in Numbers 26, verse 14, are down so substantially. The other reason why I tend to agree with this, and uh, I'm going to have to put your thinking caps on for this one. We have seen Simeon and Levi join together before, a couple of different times. So, If you would, please turn back with me to Genesis chapter 34. Genesis chapter 34. Simeon and Levi are the second born and third born of Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. And it seems as though Simeon and Levi, in many ways, are joined at the hip. So, for example, in Genesis chapter thirty-four, this is the um, the episode when Jacob settles in and near Shechem, and his son, or I'm sorry, uh, Jacob's daughter Dinah went out to visit the daughters of the land. Genesis thirty-four, verse one, and then in verse two of Genesis thirty-four, uh, the the prince of Shechem. Uh, goes and rapes Dinah. That's very clear in Genesis chapter 34, verse 2. The men of Shechem come to uh, Jacob because the prince of Shechem wants to marry Dinah. And so there's this interaction uh, between uh, the, the, uh, the Shechemites and Jacob. And they say that we can't join ourselves to you Right? Verse 14 of Genesis 34. We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition we will consent to you. If you will become like us in that every male of you will be circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live with you and become one people. The Shechemites agree to this at the time. Of course, this was never the intent of Jacob's sons. We know this because in Genesis 34, verse 25, now it came about on the third day, when they, the Shechemites, were in pain, that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares and killed every male in Shechem. Okay? Jacob was not very happy about this. He was, in fact, uh, afraid. You can see, verse 30, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Parasites. And my men, being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my household. So Jacob, here in chapter 34 of Genesis, is not happy at all with Simeon and Levi. Turn a few pages with me to Genesis 49, if you will. Genesis 49... This is at the end of Jacob's life. They are in Egypt. They have gotten to Egypt because Joseph is the vice president of Egypt. And so Jacob has gone down and he is now going to prophesy over his sons. And here uh, in these prophecies, we see that Simeon and Levi are joined together again, his second and third born son. Genesis 49, beginning in verse 5. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter, enter into their council. Let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. And so Simeon and Levi are not blessed by Jacob in Genesis 49 because of the incident with Dinah in Genesis chapter 34. And this tremendous blessing then, the, the the primary, what you might call the firstborn blessing of Jacob now proceeds to Judah, the fourthborn. And that begins, of course, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 8. This great prophecy of blessing over Judah Judah, which we know is a messianic blessing. And just as a quick reminder, the reason why Reuben does not get the firstborn blessing of Jacob is because, as you know, Reuben slept with one of Jacob's wives who was not his mother. So Jacob passes over Reuben For sleeping with one of his wives, he passes over Simeon and Levi for the incident in Genesis chapter 34, and this tremendous blessing of the firstborn proceeds to Judah, the fourthborn son, in Genesis 49, verse 8, this great prophecy of the Messiah fulfilled in our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I taught on this all the way back in July of 2017 from Genesis chapter 34, I noted at that time that Simeon, we will see as they go into the promised land, is, becomes one of the smallest tribes in Judah. And we actually see that in Numbers 26 with the census. His number goes down by 37,000 people. And for the rest of Old Testament history, Simeon becomes one of the least of the tribes. In fact, when Simeon is given a piece of the land of Canaan, that piece of land that Simeon is given in the land of Canaan is actually completely circumscribed by the tribe of Judah. So there's a sense in which Simeon hardly even has a piece of his own land. What happens to Levi does Levi get the same treatment? And of course, as you all know, the answer to that question is no. And why not? Well, the first time we see Levi redeeming himself, turn with me again, if you would, to Exodus chapter 32. We are back here at the golden calf incident. We are back here in Genesis chapter 32. God is angry with the Israelites for their worshipping of the golden calf. Moses is angry. And in the latter portion of Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 25, Now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies, verse 26, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. And the sons of Levi, verse 28, did as Moses instructed. They put their idolatrous brothers in Israel to death at the command of Moses. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. And I made the point when I was teaching in Genesis chapter 32 and also I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 34 and in Exodus 32 that at that time Levi redeems himself in the eyes of the Lord Simeon never does. And what we have here again In Numbers 25, bringing this evening's discussion to full circle in Numbers 25, what we see here is that Phineas, acting as one of the leaders of the tribe of Levi, is again redeeming the Levites by putting to death this Simeonite and this Midianite woman that he has brought back into his tent to fornicate with her in um, direct opposition to the commands of the Lord. And of course, as you know, in contrast to Simeon, the Levites were not given any land in the land of Canaan, but that's because they were blessed and Yahweh himself was their inheritance. And so I just wanted you to see tonight in Numbers 25, we have a Levite and we have a Simeonite. And that tie between the Levites and the Simeonites, goes all the way back, even into the earliest portions of the Pentateuch. And we see that same relationship and the distinctions, the comparisons, and the contrasts happening again here in Numbers chapter 25. When we pick up next time, we will pick up with some final laws in the book of Numbers. Again, where we're headed is through Uh, Numbers and into Deuteronomy, which will be the second giving of the law as Moses' life is coming to an end. And Moses, the great mediator of Israel, is preparing this new generation of Israelites to go west into Canaan under the leadership of Joshua for the conquest of the land of Canaan. So we will pick up, Lord willing, next time at the beginning of Numbers chapter 27.